This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. It is ATL Day Ones, and we are here on a magic. Never. We're here on a Monday here today with ATL Day One. See, look, I'll be playing around with that no thing. Look, I'll be getting myself in trouble sometimes because it's just like, you know, I'm like, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. And then it just comes out and just like, because right. it flows so well. Like, I just, we just got to find another name for Mondays. That's all. That's yeah, all it is. We, we totally do because <laughs> the other one is Manic Monday. And it's not really Manic over here because we, you know, we're in a, in a good space. We're not in that like cray cray space. Right. Uh, like a Manic, but uh, definitely in a good space for a Monday, even with like our crazy, quirky, cray cray weather. And yes, our indeed. Crazy, quirky, cray, cray teams that go up and down, but anyway. no doubt about it. They have like the stock market, um, very unpredictable. All right, well, first of all, if we want to, I would definitely want to start off by saying thank you for making ATL Day Ones your first listen of the day. And remember, we are free and available wherever you download your podcast. And I just want to give, I have one more request. One more request. Go ahead and leave us a review. Go ahead, you know, make sure you give us a five-star review. If you don't leave us a five-star review, I'm going to dunk on you like Andrew Wiggins dunked on Luka Doncic. All right. Um, we will have a little commentary about that. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. So, yeah, if you don't, you know, just go ahead and give us that five-star review because that's, you know, that that was that was extreme last night. Um yeah, that that was embarrassing. <laughs> and then the referee tried to save him with an offensive foul call. I was like, no, nah, man, you just got dunked on, Jack. <laughs> don't save him. He don't want to be saved. Exactly, okay? exactly. Um, but we don't, we want to save you today. We're going to entertain you because I've been looking at this roster, T, and I, and I think the Falcons need to make one more move. I know you have one in mind. I have one in mind as well. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about that. And um, there's only one way you can look at what happened over the weekend with the Atlanta Braves. We're going to tell you exactly what that is. And last but not least, it is time to pay homage. Get somebody their flowers while they're still living. Yeah, I love Stick it. around to find out who we are talking about. And But before we get to that, T, I, I think the Atlanta Falcons, you know, with OTAs, going to OTAs this week, uh-huh. Yeah, I was started looking at this roster, and I'm just like, man, I think there's one move to be made. Mm-hmm. There, you know, just just one move to bring in a veteran because, like you said, there are, you know, yeah, the defense is very young, and mm-hmm. offensively, mm-hmm. you know, you have some some guys who are going to be out there for the first time, and Drake London, right. wide receiver, and you got Kyle Pitts coming into his second year. So there are a lot of different moving parts on their on on their side. And obviously, with a new quarterback, you know he's a veteran, but you know he's you know he's new to the Atlanta Falcons. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I think T, you know, for, for I know what I the position I would like to bring in, but I I definitely want to get into get your thoughts into who, what position or player, or you can give me a name as well that you think that would just be that one move mm-hmm. to kind of get the Falcons in a position where like, okay, they might be able to compete this year. Yeah. And since we've been talking so much about what needed to be done on the 
the defense, right? Especially right. in that space of just bringing pressure and affecting the quarterback and, and just really having that edge, if you will, both literally and figuratively. And I thought about the fact that it seems like we're becoming Chicago South. So, <laughs> right. So, wow. There's one more player that's still in the mix. I know that right now the Broncos are taking a look at him. The Cowboys are taking a look at him as well. But Akeem Nicks, Hicks might be a thought. Akeem Hicks mm. might be a thought. He definitely oh, yes, had Lord. a solid, Yeah, he's on a solid career. Of course, you know, Amen. Pissed up with the Saints, pissed up with uh, the Patriots. But for the most part, spent his uh, the bulk of his career, his 11-year career, with the Bears and has at least solid numbers will go with right in nine games. And the reason I point this out is because we're just talking nine games last season, three and a half sacks. And we mm. both know the sack challenges that the Falcons had in terms of barely getting to double digits as a unit. So as you and I talked about before, if we can get players who can get in the five to six sack range, most of them, some of them obviously will need to be double digit, but if they can get in the five and six sack range and maybe you know he's willing to come potentially for a proven year that's something that could pay dividends and when you, we look at the depth chart and granted the depth chart is a living breathing document especially because you're just now going into otas you haven't even hit you know training camp training camp yet or right. seeing who really is your standout player but we talk so much not just on this show but on just in you know atlanta here locally even the fan base for that matter we've talked about over and over and over Make sure Grady's shored up. Make sure he's good to go as far as his role on uh, that right side, right? Uh, yes. on, on As a defensive end or, or a tackle. We don't really talk about that left side very much. Mm -hmm. And John Kaminsky showed, I mean, he showed some, we'll, we'll call it some splashes. We'll call it some, you know, some hints some here Some toe and there. dips. He yeah, dipped his he toe did. in the water, yeah. Like, oh, okay. Never, I, mean, I don't I... think we've ever seen that deep dive. Yeah. From him. So yep. with him listed number one, technically, on that depth chart on the left side for defensive edge with Nick Thurman listed there, as well as, you know, Bryce Rogers, it just makes me feel like that might be a space, Travis, where maybe one more piece, especially, especially you put the nail on the head, a veteran piece, mm -hmm. if you will, that could be, a, that might be a good piece to add. Yeah, you know and what, I... I love Akeem Hicks. And I was introduced to Akeem Hicks when he played against the Falcons. Oh, my God. The dude was just all over the place, just playing around in the back. I'm like, dude, y'all can't block this man? Like, you know, 6'5", 320, which is an ideal size for a 3-4 defensive end type. You know, he can probably even bump down inside sometimes as well. You know, and with, you know, the, the type of – and then in pass rush situations, get into that three technique or that one, however um, DMP sees fit. Um, I think that was a big, an amazing pickup. I'm actually starting to like that a little bit more than what I got, you know. But 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 yeah, I'm actually a little jealous too, you know. But but yeah, I, I love that pick. I think um, Keem Hicks would be an excellent fit for the Falcons. Like, but I have, but this guy that I've I've been thinking about, I, I think mm -hmm. it's something that. You know, given the situation with the offensive line last year, right? We know what it was. We it was yeah. it was a it was open season at left guard, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, and 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 here's the thing: I'm going to give Terry Fondo the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, Jalen Mayfield may get a little bit better. I'm I ain't gonna even touch that. I'm gonna stay away from that. You mm -hmm. know where I'm going? I'm going right there at that center position. Matt Hennessy. They did not draft him, so they're not obligated to play that man. Yeah. So. 
I think they need to go after J.C. Treader. J.C. Treader yeah. is a guy from the Cleveland Browns. He's a free agent. He was mm -hmm. a cap casualty back in March, mm -hmm. um, early spring um, this year. So, you know, he's out there. He's waiting around, you know, waiting for a, a phone call. And I think the, the Falcons would be an excellent fit because we all know how well the Cleveland Browns Run ran the football last year, and mm -hmm. then you know him opening up those holes for the Browns, and yes. you know, and he was not like he was cut because he wasn't playing well. Right. He was cut because they were trying to free up some money to get Deshaun Watson, so mm -hmm. they had to do what they had to do, yeah. um, in order to get to where they need to be. So I, I think that if you bring in a center like a, a Treader, mm -hmm. I don't think you know Jalen Mayfield stands out as much because you know you can. We've seen what it looks like when you bring a center from the Cleveland Browns came down right. and, and Alice Mack and how he yeah. solidified that offensive line because, you know, Chris Chester wasn't the greatest guard of all time. But when you right. bring in an all pro type guy, mm -hmm. you know, to solidify that in the middle of that offensive line, yeah. it just makes everyone better. And I think that that would be something that I think the Falcons need to take a look at. Go and a little spin, a little change. Work it out, Terry. Right. And that's the perfect words that you use on both of those players for, for that matter. And it is spend a little change, right? Mm -hmm. And so yeah. with Treader, as well as with Hicks, you're not going to break the bank with a team that in the Falcons that can't really afford to break right. the, the That's the, why I said veteran guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then like you said, when you, you know, kind of look at him overall, just in terms of where he uh, landed as far as um, offensive snaps played. So right around that top echelon, right? So you see some durability mm -hmm. there. Yep. And um, not a lot of penalties, if you will. We talked about that before last week in terms of pre-snap penalties that were yes. really killing the Falcons last year. And then not a lot of uh, sacks allowed uh, there, especially when we think about some of those challenges and issues, again, from the center perspective. So yeah, I like that. I think that would be a fantastic addition. And Jarvis, just in case, going back to the veteran piece there as well in case there's an opportunity for a Jalen Mayfield or a Matt Hennessy wherever you know uh, Treader might land but of course likely at center but there might be an opportunity for Matt Hennessy to learn under yeah. a veteran there may be some small tweaks to his game that from the naked eye you may not be able to see but a seasoned veteran might be able to say hey if you just you know if your stance is here if you see if you have this vision if you see this move or this tweak or this twitch from the D line, here's what that means. That mm -hmm. could actually help Hennessy as well. Yeah, that that, that helps a lot, man. Like, that's why I say that's what the benefit of having guys who've yeah. been around, you know, yeah. and who've been successful as well. That's why I mm -hmm. think Casey Hayward's going to be so beneficial for a lot of guys and Isaiah Oliver and, and of course AJ Terrell as well. Mm -hmm. You know, he hasn't, he's arrived, but he hasn't arrived just yet. You know, yeah. there's a lot of things that he can learn to be mm -hmm. even better than what he was last year. So yeah. I think those, those are some of the things you definitely need to be on the lookout for um, mm -hmm. as far as the Falcons go. Now, real quick T, mm -hmm. Dan Snyder has been a guy who has been under the gun, um, yeah. so to speak, when it comes to, um, uh, workplace environment, you know, you've had lawsuits coming out of here, coming out of there, mm -hmm. financial improprieties. Now he's been investigated and it has just been a, a, a whirlwind of things yeah. to that are, are, are starting to culminate now for him. Mm -hmm. And, and, and there were some sources, um, say that w at least one owner has talked about that mm -hmm. they may be gathering some votes to 
finally oust Dan Snyder as the as the owner of the Washington Commanders. Now, I know that's I know that's that's real, mm-hmm. but do you think Dan Snyder's gonna go quietly though? Yeah, of course not. Of course, <laughs> I mean, there's gonna be a little rumbling, but I do think that rumbling is going to be brief because I mm-hmm. think those owners are gonna rise up, no pun intended, and nip it in the bud and say, "Hey, it's over for you." Okay, mm-hmm. you had opportunities to work with us. We had opportunities to work with you to clean it up, and it just things just kept piling on. Every time we tried to help you put out one fire, there was another fire and you never, you know, just took the, the right step back to say, okay, I need to. So I, I I believe this will be a situation like we saw many years ago with the Clippers owner. Of course, I know that's NBA, but my point being when the owners are taking a step to say, you got to go, you're going, especially Jarvis, if it's the right contingent. We yes. do know that not all owners are created equal in terms of their leverage at the table. So yes. depending on who right now is having the commentary of, I believe that if it leaked, it leaked on purpose, that there's a vote out there because they want the public to know that they're addressing it. And that also puts maybe pressure on those who are not in favor of ousting him. Hey, you got to come on on board. But I'm also interested to see, okay, we know that all 32 owners don't have the same amount of leverage and say so at the table. So if you could have this kind of influence to oust him and and remove him from the table, I want to see you put forth that same energy to put a diversity candidate for ownership at the table. How about we use that same energy for that base of owners that actually Mm -hmm. has that kind of pull? No doubt about it. I'm all on board for that. Like I'm all with that. And just one little, one little bit of nugget. You know, I don't really ask for much. I'm not too demanding. Can y'all go ahead and just change that name too? Like, like whoever takes over, like they have the ability to say, you know what? I don't want anything to do with what Dan Snyder picked as the, the name of his team. Let's go ahead and go. I got a, I got a suggestion. How about the Washington Red Tails? Let's go with that. See, I would and, love that. And I said, I that thing. Throw the dang Washington football team and keep it moving. It, it, it yeah. actually became kind of it a started cool to grow on me. Yeah. It grew. Perfect mm-hmm. word. It grew on yeah. me. So, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe when you, you know, oust him, oust the name too. And then we can just all, I mean, you have thousands of names to choose from, and that's where you went. So, yeah. We're not trying to kick you out here on ATL Day Ones. We're trying to no. make sure you come back because guess what? We have a big old takeaway that we we by watching the Braves did over the weekend there was a, there was only really one thing that you can take away from this game and we'll tell you exactly what that is right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta it's ATL Day Ones with Jarvis T. Welcome back to ATL Day Ones. I am Tanitra. This is Jarvis, and we always appreciate you guys letting us know what's good and how do you do that by giving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcast so when you check us out make sure you let us know what you think and also keep on subscribing to us on our youtube channel and do that across all of lockdown sports network but especially give us a like and let us know your comments because we actually do check them out and take them seriously so we appreciate you for that and you know what else we take seriously the positive side of whatever goes on in sports country in Atlanta. So we're going to take the positive side for the Braves. We know that they lost 4-3 yesterday off of a uh, complete game from Sandy Alcantara. But mm-hmm. uh, ultimately speaking, it was still not a bad game just in terms of, hey, they tried to mount a comeback in the ninth inning, the, the Braves did. And even though Ian Anderson gave up three unearned runs and a couple of walks, he struck out six. 
So there's yes. still something positive. And look, Jarvis, just two walks. Okay, so there's something positive. And you won the series. You won yeah. the series. A month ago, the Marlins won the series. So now at least you're even in that space. Coming in at 19 and 22, that's like your first third, if you will, Jarvis, of kind of this 10-game stretch of divisional games that could be pivotal and critical for the Braves. So still not a bad way to start that four-game set in uh, that uh, series when you think about them coming back home to start a four-game set versus the Marlins. So I'll start, or excuse me, versus the Phillies. So I'll start there, Jarvis. What was maybe the takeaway for you from uh, the series against the Marlins? So, for example, was it the fact that they won the series? Or was it the fact that the offense sputtered in the game that they lost? Or is it something else that, that was your big takeaway? I think the series win is something that you have to kind of take a look at, right? Because when you talk about how they only won two series the entire year, and this is their first um, road series win yes. of the season, you know, and it's – baby season we're still in the baby stages I guess I, I, I guess that's kind of fair to say but yeah. I think just overall when you think about how they started off like they, Bronny got out to a hot start on Friday mm -hmm. and then um William Contreras um uh, carried him on Saturday with two home yeah. runs so those are the type of things that you know we talked about we talked about before on the show and mm -hmm. like having not necessarily the name guys coming through for you especially mm -hmm. when you're talking about an entire series now yeah. Ronald nephew nephew went hard the whole series he batted 455 in the oh. three game set so he was locked in and ready to go mm -hmm. but when you have a guy like Contreras come in who is absolutely tearing it up when he is out on the field, yes. uh, you know, or behind the plate, you know, catching mm -hmm. for, for the Braves. Yeah. I, I think that when you get those type, that type of production from guys like that, that's mm -hmm. how you know when you, you're probably going to start, start gain some momentum because yeah. when, when one does well, I think a lot of people, that gives a lot of people mm -hmm. incentive to, for them to start doing well also. Exactly. And when you look at, the performance that you got out of Charlie Morton, when you look at the performance that you got out of Kyle Wright, those are still positive takeaways from those games that you won. And again, you mentioned a great word, which was momentum and taking that momentum into uh, this next seven games in, in the division and how critical that can be. Now, the other thing you said was, you know, basically this is like a little sample size, right, for us, because yeah. we're still relatively speaking early on in the season, right? We're, we're, right? we're literally only like, what, 41 games in at this point. Yeah. But here's an interesting thing that I came across and I said, you know, my my one good positive takeaway was just like yours, a series win and a series win on the road and it's in the division, we'll take it because you never know how tight this race might get at the end of the season and that could bode well for you, right? The right. other piece there is that you had your starters lasting long enough to be able to say, start a Tucker Davidson tonight yes, and yes. get hopefully another good start out of him. But the other piece that, uh, that kind of sort of made me pause a little bit was the fact that the Braves will still potentially have to go 31 games over 500 for the rest of the season to actually mm -hmm. win the division. Because remember, we were looking last week at where each team in the division was, and really across Major League Baseball, but particularly this division in terms of expected wins. Mm -hmm. Braves are still right there, kind of where they were expected to be. Mets are just slightly ahead of where they were supposed to be. And I believe Phillies are just one game behind where they were supposed to be. So still in a good space. But ultimately, Jarvis, when you think about something like that, you've got to literally go 31 games 
over 500 to win the division. And we know how difficult it is in that wild card round in in, in MLB. And you know what? Because because it's the one it's a one shot deal, right? You know, mm-hmm. and that's and you never know. One of your guys, your starting, your ace might have a bad night, yes. or your entire lineup is just yes. absolutely just tanking. You know, you just right. don't know what's going to happen. A lot of times in 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 those, in those series, once you get into the series of um, portion of the playoffs. Like most of the time, nine times out of ten, the best team is going to win. And mm-hmm. you know, when you're talking about the type of lineup that the Braves have, and you're talking about how type the, the pitching staff and how they've been going as of late, mm-hmm. and they've been really, really starting to come around, yeah. and that and that rotation is really starting to take form. Mm-hmm. You know, um, early on, right, right now, before Memorial Day, you know, because that's the, always been the barometer, right? You know, a lot of people think like, oh, okay, just wait till Memorial Day to see what's going right. on. But, yep. you know, this is like, that's Memorial next week. Yeah, right. We, we are coming up on Memorial Day very, yeah. very quickly. Yeah. So <laughs> so those are, those are the type of things that, you know, that you have to really, really pay attention to because, you know, they're eight game back eight games back and when you think about it like man like they have to go 31 games over 500 like when you start thinking long term yeah yeah they are in a deep steep hole and and i'm and i think right now you can't look at it like that you kind of just kind of look at it from series to series all right let's get this series win against the phillies like if we can go three one Mm-hmm. That would be great because they're essentially, like you said earlier, they have the same record. And nineteen, yeah. both of the teams are nine, nineteen and twenty-two, mm-hmm. and both of them are eight games back of the, behind the New York Mets. So yes. you just pray and hope that the Mets start the Mets, and you know you you start winning these series, uh, yeah. winning these series, and I think that you'll find yourself. You know, when July comes around, you're like, oh, okay. You know, we're only four games back. You yeah. know, that's that's manageable. That's doable. So, you know, and I think that's that that should be the goal going going forward. Yeah, and then the Braves. That'll show us the Braves start to brave, and then that'll also be that moment yes. in time where Alex Anthopoulos starts doing his work and getting in the lab mm-hmm. and deciding whether or not he needs to make some moves. The other thing I, I like that I saw is this. The Braves literally have had the eighth toughest schedule in Major League Baseball so Mm -hmm. far this season. So when you put it in context, in addition to what you just said in terms of them just being eight games back of the Mets at this time, and you you know the Mets are probably going to met at some point. Right. The fact that then the the Hawk, uh, excuse me, the Braves are now shifting into a part of the season where they're going to have the fifth easiest schedule, right? Through right. the rest of the season. That's another thing where I like what you said, which is chip away here and there with what it is that you can do to kind of whittle away at the Mets lead and kind of maybe put distance between yourself and the rest of the division and also put distance hopefully between you and some of the wild card teams so that if you happen to have to go the wild card route, heck, at least you're hosting. You know, right. that, that would be ideal. But ultimately speaking, when you think about strength of schedule, and we talk about strength of schedule in every league, that actually could bode well because if you were able to come through one of the toughest schedules in the league and still be kind of hovering right there at 500 and you're about to go into a season where you're hovering at, uh, you're at number five in terms of the fifth toughest schedule in the league, I think that that is something that could put the Braves in good position. And we talked about this before, the fact that, you know, right now, Travis DeMerit is holding it down, holding on for dear life in right field. Because yeah. he ain't holding it down at the plate. Yeah, that's very optimistic, T. 
he's got to, you know, hold it off in there, like, you know, until oh, Robert Jr. can get it all the way together and kind of get right. it complete because what he's doing at the plate is wonderful, but we know that the the, the five tools is what yeah. you look for in, in Acuna mm-hmm. Jr.'s game. So when all those pieces come together, hopefully this weekend, and even this entire week, hopefully we still see them continue to build towards that and we'll see a better Braves team going into this uh, next phase of the season and hopefully ultimately the, the, the season. But when we talk about the best of and just getting better as the season goes on, how about when you get better as your life goes on, because just like fine wine, you just are, you stay amazing. You just stay amazing. And we're going to talk about the person who started off just giving us an amazing, amazing, just blueprint to go by. And now she's finally going to get her flowers in this day. So you want to know who we're talking about? You know what to do. Come back on the other side. It's for the culture right here on ATL Day Ones. Final segment of ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra. We want to thank you for riding with us for the entire show. I know you're just burning up inside trying to figure out who in the world we about to get these flowers to. But before, before we do that, I want to say thank you for liking and subscribing to our YouTube page. All you got to do is just go to that search engine, search box on YouTube. Type in Locked On Sports Atlanta and it will pop right up. We are almost at 1,400 subscribers. We are, are heading there really quickly, and that's all because you guys have been rocking with us, and we really appreciate you. Got a really big lineup. You know, ATL Day 1s. We got A to Z with Mark Zeno, and we got Hitting Hard with John Trekkery. So, yeah, check us out. We are all there for you talking Atlanta sports right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. T, this is for the culture. Yes. Where is the intersection between sports entertainment and the culture and sometimes just whatever the hell we want to talk about that's just how we get down on this show now t jane kennedy for those you don't know she is the first black woman to work on a national tv sports show and it wasn't too long ago now just for y'all people who you know who who kind of can doubt this type of stuff um so i and i think that you know she will be honored um, she will be given the 2022 Rune Arledge Award. It is the award for innovation, and uh, it's going to be it's being given to her by the uh, National Sports Media Association. And I just kind of want to just kind of give you the floor here because I know that she's had some some definitely had some influence in you in, as far as getting into this industry, which is a very one hard one to get into, by the way. Yeah. And I just want to kind of give you um, give you the floor and just kind of talk about how you know. Jane Kennedy had an effect on you and, and, and what it means for her to be honored in, in this uh, in this manner. Yeah, and she's one of those. Jane Kennedy Overton is one of those individuals who, if you've never seen her in action, because it was a short stint that right. she had on uh, CBS Today and uh, I believe was let go for, of course, you know, reasons that would not fly in this day and age, but that right. folks were able to get away from uh, or get away with back in that t- time. And I bring that up because that's one of the critical pieces that there's always someone who has to take that L and bear the brunt of discrimination, whether that's sexism, racism, or, or, or both um, mm-hmm. in, in her case, so that the rest of us can enjoy opportunities like this where I'm able to sit at the table with Jarvis and have meaningful conversation about sports. 
it's right. because of her. She's that person who really paved the way. So when we see a Pam Oliver doing her thing, who's really also been an inspiration to our generation, well, there was Jane Kennedy first, yes. right? So mm -hmm. you look at what Jane Kennedy Overton did in really, really standing her ground and letting people know that, yes, I was a beauty queen. Yes, I was a beauty pageant winner, but I was also an athlete and quite a good one. And yes. also an athlete who was schooled by her father and her brothers on what each and every game meant, understanding the intricacies of it. So she was never one who literally just stood in front of a camera and let the teleprompter do the talking. She actually mm. knew what she was speaking about and stood her ground. So I really, really appreciate what she was able to do in laying that foundation. And I really encourage you guys, go YouTuber, because the other thing is, man, she just looks amazing. And when I, I say that because she endured so much during that time, and yet she walked away on her, on her own terms, ultimately, because right. she decided, hey, I want to take a step back. I'd like to raise my, my family. So she's been married for years and she's raised her family. That was a choice that she made. But ultimately, what she did in that short stretch of time still has an impact on us today for those of us who take the craft so seriously and want you guys to know that when we're studying the craft and when we're delivering content to you, it's not something where we're regurgitating it. We're taking a page from her book. We're taking a page from Pam Oliver's book, if you will, and saying, hey, we want to be what those pioneers are and, and have been uh, to us. So yeah, I'm just excited that She's getting her flowers, the Rune Arledge Award. I think that is amazing because, of course, he was just tremendous in his creativity and some of the amazing things that he was able to do to take sports to to the next level. You know what? And, you know, and before we you know came on, you know, in our preview meeting, I was just talking about like like how. For African-Americans, I think the rep representation is, is, a, is a huge piece. Right. Yes, you know, because is. a lot of times when you see certain things, you know, you that may, gives you the motivation to say, you know what, I could do this too. Because yeah. I even talk about how I, I started playing sports, right? You know, a lot of mm -hmm. people think that football was my first sport. Nope, not at all. My first um, sport was baseball. Yeah. And because in growing up in Atlanta, seeing some brothers playing baseball, that wasn't too out of the norm. Like, I can mm -hmm. run off a whole list. David Justice, you know, you know, he's a little light-skinned. But, you know, hey, he's still a brother. You know, Ron Gant, Fred McGriff. Like, he was yeah. my favorite player. I love the crime dog. Like, I literally taught myself how to bat left-handed because of um, Fred McGriff. And I mimicked his <laughs> after swing and everything. I remembered everything that he did as a player, you know, just from even down to the position that he played, playing first yeah. base. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, I think it, does, it, it doesn't need to to be undersold in how mm -hmm. that representation matters and it yeah. matter for Jane. Like, I don't mm -hmm. know this personally. I don't have any inside information on this, but I'm sure Pam Oliver saw Jane and said, you know what? I could probably do this too. And, you yeah. know, when she was down there at FAMU at HBCU, you know, doing her thing. So mm -hmm. I, I think those are the things that you kind of, you know, take in, take in consideration when people like this are being honored, just saying not necessarily for personal achievements, yeah. but the type of effect that they had on a whole generation of True. broadcasters coming down yeah, the line. Exactly. And now that you see so many women going in different spaces, like a Doris Burke, who's leading as the play-by-play -play announcer for NBA games and not 
expanding her her repertoire from Indeed. being more than a sideline reporter or our girl Tiffany Green who also does play-by-play and color commentary for just about every sport college <laughs> football whatever whatever you put down in front of she's gonna get down get down with go. it yes so when you think about all of those spaces that have really evolved from that one person sitting at the table and really taking her voice seriously and her craft seriously. So many of us have had an opportunity and even me, you know, I have had the opportunity last year to do some color commentary for college football. Couldn't happen, wouldn't happen if not for people like Jane Kennedy Overton. So yes, flowers to an amazing, amazing legend, blazing trails and reminding us that when we see someone, whether it's seeing a female or whether it's seeing a black male or whether it's seeing uh, any person of color doing something, it does just excite you and encourage you to say, wow, okay, well, I kind of see me in that person. So maybe this is something that I could do as well. So hopefully there are people out there that are looking at ATL day ones and they're seeing something in us that tells them that they can get it done in whatever field they are in. So we thank you guys for rocking with us each and every day and appreciating what it is that we bring to the table. But after you check us out, make sure you stop by Hitting Heart with John Chuckery because he definitely brings a little funk and brings a little noise and might just give you something that'll either encourage you or at least make you think throughout the day. So appreciate you stopping by. Come back tomorrow and we'll talk Braves definitely. But come check us out for some other interesting things. Y'all come back now, yeah. <laughs>